0: Open your Bibles with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. This morning, we were looking at building something eternal. We're talking about eternal prayer. And we asked ourselves some questions. One of the questions is, why do I pray? What is my attitude about God? Why do I pray? So... We had to ask ourselves some questions. Who is God? What can he do? And then how do I pray for others? How should I pray for others? Tonight, I want us to look at this subject of intercessory prayer. How many of you know someone right now that's going through something and you're praying for them? You know somebody that's going through something and you're praying for them. That's really one of the most important components of the Christian life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have been embarrassed. When you hear somebody who's going through something and you had forgotten to pray for it. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? And that's where it really needs to be a pattern of life. I think that this idea that, you know, you got to go somewhere and pray for four hours a day, that old Puritan idea, um, I think that that diminishes the concept. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. What will happen is if you begin praying, God will bring these things to your mind all day long. All day long. And you'll have these people, these needs, and you'll be persistently bringing them before the throne of grace. So tonight, I want us to look at this concept or this, this issue of intercessory prayer and try to get a better understanding of it from Scripture. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it is such a privilege to come to the throne of grace. And Lord, you've told us to come boldly. And uh, I believe that we have some information about prayer that Daniel never did during his lifetime. And yet we can learn some things from Daniel that I think might change the way that we pray. So, Father, help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the definition of intercession, it is the act of interceding, mediation, interposition between parties at variance with a view to reconciliation, prayer, or solicitation to one party in favor of another, sometimes against another. Isaiah 53 says, he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for transgressors. But what's interesting, so we know that's what intercession is. Listen to what intercessor is, an intercessor, a mediator, one who interposes between parties at variance with a view to reconcile them, one who pleads in behalf of another. So if you're praying for someone to be saved, what you're doing is you are in between two warring parties. The Bible says that when men are lost, they're at enmity with God. They're at war with God. So when you go to the Lord for that person, you are going with a, with a desire to reconcile these two parties together, and it just changes your attitude. If you're praying for someone to be saved, you behave differently around that person. It's interesting how that works. So a mediator, one who goes between one who pleads in behalf of another. It's interesting. A bishop who during a vacancy of the see, administers the bishopric till a successor is elected. I don't think that's in the Bible. What do you guys think? Isn't that interesting how all this religious stuff happens? So we're going to read this passage of Daniel. I'm going to have you stand up in a minute. And we're going to read Daniel, a portion of Daniel chapter 9. But Daniel is one of the most exceptional men in the Bible. He was bold, unselfish, humble, persistent, holy, incorruptible, consistent, trustworthy, virtuous, obedient, and worshipful. Wouldn't it be good if they could put that on your headstone? Wouldn't that be good? That's the kind of person you were. So what I want to do, let's all stand. Let's look at uh, Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to have you stand because I can tell you're already tired. Sunday afternoon, you probably ate too much this afternoon. It's nap time. Let's look at this passage together. Daniel chapter 9, look at verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the lord came to jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of jerusalem and i set my face to the lord or i set my face unto the lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes and i prayed unto the lord my god and made confession and said o lord the great and dreadful god keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our fathers, our princes and our fathers, I'm sorry, spake in the name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. But unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel, that are near, and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against Him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed Thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey Thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against Him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil, And brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renown at this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem. "'Thy holy mountain, because for our sins "'and for the iniquities of our fathers, "'Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach "'to all that are about us. "'Now therefore, O our God, "'hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, "'and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary "'that is desolate for the Lord's sake. "'O my God, incline thine ear and hear, "'open thine eyes and behold our desolations,' And the city which is called by thy name, for we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Thank you. You can be seated. Isn't that an amazing prayer? The way that he's prayed. So I want us to learn some things that happens in this prayer. And first of all, the amazing possibilities of intercessory prayer. The amazing possibilities of intercessory prayer. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but he prayed for quite a while before he got to what he wanted. Did y'all notice that in the text? It's very interesting. And he didn't ask for much. But when we intercede for someone, there's no telling what God can do. How many of you know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think? That's who our God is. And so Daniel prayed. It's so interesting. Daniel asked about 70 years. And look at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Daniel, Daniel asked about 70 years. And God told him about 70 weeks of years. And those 70 weeks of years, that's so much more than just 70 weeks of years because you have a parenthesis in there, which is the whole 2,000 years of church history. And God gave him information about all of those things. He gave him so much more than he asked for. He prayed for restoration, and God answered with the Messiah. He prayed for the restoration of Israel, and they gave him Jesus, and he gave them Jesus. He prayed in a moment. This is amazing. And God's answer is still happening. Because Daniel's 70th week doesn't start until the rapture and the tribulation. So when Daniel prayed all those years ago, the answer is still happening. The amazing possibilities of intercessory prayer. When you go to the Lord for somebody, there's no telling what God is going to do with that. Because he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So the amazing possibilities of intercessory prayer. But not only that, but the amazing prerequisites to intercessory prayer. How many of you would love to have answers like Daniel got? Seriously. Yeah. Let's look at what Daniel had to do. First of all, look at his humility verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer with supplications, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. See, I'm so selfish, sometimes I get mad that I've got to take the time to pray for people. Honestly, how many of you have ever prayed out of drudgery? Seriously, you you just know you're supposed to do it. And you do it, but you're kind of mad about it. See, you guys are too spiritual to admit it. God knows. God knows. that The humility with which Daniel approached God for the people of Israel is just profound. But not only his humility, but look at his confession, verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession, his, his confession. See, when I, before I can pray for somebody else, I need to make sure that I am right with God. And notice, I can't confess your sin. I confess my sin before the righteous and dreadful God. Before I can pray for you. And notice that, the, so the humility, the confession. But look at the reverence, verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. The great and dreadful God. Now, I didn't take the time to look at uh, modern commentaries on that passage. I guarantee you they'll explain away the word dreadful. Because that's not a happy word. You know, it's hard to put a smiley face around dreadful. And this is the God that he's praying to. Now, what's interesting is we have such a better understanding of the grace of God than Daniel did. Because Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. And we understand forgiveness of sins in a way that Daniel never could. Isn't that wonderful? And it almost sounds arrogant to say, I might know something about God that Daniel didn't. Because God hadn't revealed those things yet. Jesus hadn't come yet. We didn't have the New Testament yet. But still, is, God, is, is he still the great and dreadful God? He is. And so the prerequisites, humility, confession, and reverence, and then the apparent priorities of intercessory prayer. I want you to notice something. This is amazing. And I know that it seems like I'm just trying to re-preach what I preached this morning. But this is the pattern of biblical prayer that you see all through the scriptures. Look at what happens in the book of Daniel. So Daniel is praying according to the word of God. If you look in verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to who? Jeremiah the prophet. So he was reading Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12. He he was reading the Bible. And by reading the Bible, he realized, well, wait a minute, he can do math. And he understood how long the children of Israel had been in captivity. And he said, wait a minute, these 70 years are almost accomplished. God, what are you going to do now? These people that even though you have judged them, even though they've been in captivity... Even though they should have responded, they've not. What are you going to do? And That's when he begins praying. So the word of God, genuine intercessory prayer, is based on the priorities of God, not man. And it's interesting that the priority of God was to take Israel into captivity for 70 years. That was his priority. That was his plan. That was about to be fulfilled, and God was going to lead his people back into their land. Not because they deserved it. Because it was his priority. And so Daniel started praying according to God's priorities. It's a wonderful thing to pray, reminding God of who he is and what he has promised. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God need to be reminded about who he is and what he's promised? So why do we do that? To remind us of who he is and what he has promised and to increase our faith. Genuine intercessory prayer is based on the priorities of God, not man. This entire prayer is based on what Daniel had read in God's Word. It's interesting. All of us, we know how to pray for other people. We know that they have needs. But we know how to pray for others not on the basis of their circumstances, but on what God has said about their circumstances. Young people, you guys can make some decisions that get you in really bad trouble. Uh, I I think about this. So I knew that I needed to go back to Bible college. I knew I was supposed to be a preacher, and I was fighting the call to preach. Um, I I had a great job. We had two brand-new cars, and we had just bought this one car. We moved it, and finally I surrendered. But I bought this new car right before I went back to Bible college. Really bad idea. And so I got this job selling siding all over the South. And all of a sudden, I had 85,000 miles, 100,000 miles on this one-year-old car, two-year-old car. But then that job just didn't work out. I ended up working at Circuit City selling car stereos with a 19-year-old kid. And so now I've got my school bill. We have an apartment to care for. We've got two cars to pay for. All these things are going on. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to do? I had this car I couldn't pay for. So all during all of that time, we had Riley. And if you remember, Riley was ended up being in the hospital. And so he's in intensive care. We get a 40 some 1000 dollars hospital bill. And the insurance company wouldn't cover it because they said that it was a pre-existing condition. So he was born with it. So I'm thinking... So not only do we, we don't have any money, how are we going to pay for all this stuff? So we, you know, we're just we're just praying, God. What are we going to do? So I called the insurance company and I said, Well, I'm gonna. Or I called the hospital, and I said, the Insurance isn't going to cover it. I need to set up a payment plan. They said, How much can you pay? I think I said twenty five dollars a month on a forty thousand dollar bill, and she said. Well, that's not going to work. I'll take it and talk, it to them, but talk to them, but I guarantee you that's not enough. So that's all I have. That's all I can do. So about two weeks later, you know, we're praying, trying to figure out what in the world are we going to do with this. Don't want to be under that for years and years. And so I called back about two weeks later, and I, I said, I'm calling. This is Jim Alter. I'm calling about our bill. Okay, Social Security number blah, 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 blah. answer all these questions. There's, there's no bill. I said, no, it's a $40,000 bill. I tried to, I'm trying to make payments. I need to you know what they say. No, the hospital's written it off. It was gone. It was gone. God took that bill away from us. But you ready for this? I still had to pay for the car. It's so interesting Here's what God does. He brings things into our lives that are bigger than us to show himself mighty. But then he lets us, y'all remember this, stew in our own juices. Isn't that gross? But he lets us just sit and wallow in some of the messes that we make for ourselves how many of you have a testimony you don't have to say it but you have a testimony kind of like that in your own life and it's so interesting how god does these things in our lives to show himself mighty and yet what if someone was praying for me for that car bill to be removed and i don't think anybody was they were all thinking you're an idiot you're the idiot that bought the car But, you know, sometimes people step into another person's life and they remove the pain of the bad choices rather than allowing God to do a work in their lives. And we can't do that. See, the only way I can know what God has for you is because of what God says in the Bible. I can't make decisions about your life, but I can pray what the Bible says for you and about you and help you to dive into the Scriptures and find God's plan for your life. We must understand the purposes and plans of God in order to know how to pray for someone else. The knowledge of God's promise does not breed complacency in Daniel. This is interesting. So God knew, I'm sorry, Daniel knew that God had promised. Okay, so go with me to verse 19 and look at what the Bible says. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. So he had the promise. God, please keep your promise. Please keep your promise. It wasn't shaking a fist in the face of God. You said you would do this. No, God, please don't defer this. Because God can choose to defer any of his promises. Because every decision that God makes is absolutely righteous defer not, defer not. He's praying God's will, God's will, God's purposes, God's promises, God's plan. That's what he's praying as an intercessor. This is what it means to ask anything according to God's will. And the best way to pray according to his will is to pray his word. Our wisdom will fail. His wisdom will never fail. Man, I got to tell you, there have been so many times when I would have prayed something for you, that I think would be best for you, and God had a completely different plan. That's why we need to pray according to God's will. And I'll tell you what happens. When I pray for something and God does something different, it teaches me how I should have prayed. Are you all with me on that? When I ask God to do something, and God does something different, then I know how I should have prayed for that, because that is obviously what God had planned to do. God never changes. He does not change. So, the priorities of intercessory prayer. The first is the word of God, and the second, of course, is the will of God. Daniel's prayer was inspired by the word of God and based on the will of God. We must never ask God to do something for someone that would be against his will. You know, it's interesting. There are parents that are praying for things for their children that would obviously violate God's will. Let me, let me just be very clear. Parents... God does not want your children to have a career that keeps them out of church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approach. The Bible says that we're supposed to come together at church. That's what we are supposed to do. So it is not God's will for your child to have a career that keeps them from going to church. Are you with me on this? Why would you pray for your child to have something that God doesn't want them to have? Very interesting. Very interesting. We can lead our children away from God's will based on our own will. So the, the the first priority of intercessory prayer is the Word of God, and then, of course, understanding the will of God. But there, there's a third component that I think is interesting, and that's intensity. Remember how God scolds the church at Laodicea because of their lukewarmness? Their lukewarmness? Um, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, John Moore was here last week, and he was still here Monday, and So we got to talk to someone about the service. And so, or someone came into the church building who had been here, a church member. And John said, Hey, what'd you think of the grand opening? And John is all excitement, all the time. He could make a cup of coffee nervous. And so he's pumped. Hey, what'd you think of the grand opening? And the guy said, It was nice. Yeah, it was good. And so the guy left and I said, you just got to experience Shelby County. That was excited. (laughs) It is so interesting. And I'm sure that this guy loved the day and loved what God did. I know because he loves the word of God. He loves God's work. He loves Grace Baptist Church. But what was interesting was watching someone else observe that attitude. So your wife cooks you a meal. You're new married. You're married. And she makes you a meal. Do you like it? It's okay. Guys, you're not married yet? Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I wonder if that lack of intensity makes its way into your prayer life. You see, Daniel did not lack intensity in his prayer. Look at verse 3 again. I want you to notice this. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Do You see all the steps? Now, we don't do sackcloth and ashes. We don't do all that stuff. But we ought to have that same passion and intensity as we go to God for other people. We need to really care about what's happening in that situation. This was not, and bless all the missionaries. It wasn't that kind of prayer, was it? Look at chapter 6 and verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and that's that they had to bow before this idol. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, look at what it says, as he did it four time. Daniel was intense in his prayer. He was committed. He was passionate in his prayer. Folks, we need to care about stuff, and we need to ask God to give us a heart for God's people as we pray for them. Intensity, the passion. Listen to what James 5, you know the verse, listen to what it says, James five sixteen. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Listen, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. fervent, not passive, not bored, but intense, passionate, fervent. But then the selflessness, the selflessness. So back to Daniel 10 I'm sorry, Daniel nine. look at verse three again. His selflessness. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. And he goes and he starts talking about his people. And it's very interesting. This selflessness his being willing to give himself passionately to this prayer time. I want you to notice that he put himself in the place of the rest of God's people. Notice his prayer was not, God, these wicked people that you have me living among, I am sick of them. I don't know why you don't strike them all dead, but because of your grace and mercy, do what you're going to do. No, look at his belonging. Look at the way that he unites himself with them. Notice the we words that begin in verse 5. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. Verse 6. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. He talks about our kings and our fathers. Then he says in verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces. And that's the way it goes on through the whole thing. Verse 8. O, o Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faces. The end of the verse. Because we have sinned against thee. Verse 10, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Verse 11, this curse is poured out upon us, in the middle of the verse, the end of the verse, because we have sinned against him. Us, we, we, we. And it's very interesting. When we pray, now now he was praying for a nation, but when you pray for the United States, how do you pray? Lord, we are not a righteous people. We are not a righteous nation. Now, I'm so glad that God doesn't identify us with a nation right now. We have an individual faith. But you know what he does do? He identifies us as a church. How are we doing as a church? How are we doing? How are we doing in our prayer? How are we doing in our evangelism? How are we doing in our giving? How are we doing in our own personal holiness, in our own personal righteousness? How are we doing? How are we represented out into the community? It's belonging. It's belonging. And that ownership of the problem, that's the way that Daniel was going before God. Belonging. And then, of course, confession. I can't pray biblically until I can't pray for you biblically until I recognize who I am. Keep your place here in Daniel. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, look at verse 11. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. So the publican's a tax collector, and those guys were pretty crooked. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, "'God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I I give tithes of all that I possess.'" And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It's so interesting, the attitude that we can have. You know, God, thank you that I was raised in a Christian home and I've never engaged in the debauchery of those around me. Lord, they're wicked help them. <laughs> Man, we need to humble ourselves before God and we need to say, God, you know me. You know my thoughts. You know who I am. You know how I feel. You know the resentments, the bitterness, you know the anger, you, you, know, you know the defeat, you know the unbelief that I have. I confess that to you. You know. Remember what confession? Confession is agreeing with God about it. He already knows about it. We just agree with Him about who we are. And then we say, strengthen me, help me. And Lord, in spite of my own sinfulness, and the, then you name the person that you're praying for, please help them. Please show yourself mighty confession. We're all sinners. But then, not only that, but it depends, this intercessory prayer, go back to Daniel chapter 9, it depends on God's character. Depends on God's character. Verse 4, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, look at what it says, keeping the covenant of mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Notice what, he is the one keeping that covenant of mercy. Not the people who are keeping the commandments. He is keeping it. This prayer is based on God's character. Look at verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Look at verse 9. I love what it says here in verse 9. To the Lord our God, look at this, belong, mercies, and for look at this word, I love this word, forgiveness. Says uh, that's plural. God has had to forgive me over and over and over and over and over again. You know what's wonderful? Mercy and forgivenesses belong to Him. They're His. I can only forgive you because He forgave me. I'm going to show mercy toward you because He's shown mercy toward me. Isn't it disgusting? for someone to be forgiven and not forgive. Isn't it disgusting for someone to have been shown mercy and then not to show mercy? The unjust steward, remember? The parable of that, where Jesus taught that. Forgivenesses. And then all of this results in God's glory. Verse 16. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger And thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Notice he doesn't say, you did this, God. You did this to these people. You did this to this city. No, it's because of us that this has happened. And you need to receive glory in your city again. I want want God to receive glory here. Amen. I want him to receive glory, not reproach because of us. Verse 17, Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications. Cause thy face face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear, and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations in the city, look at this, which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before the For our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. Look it. For thine own sake. O my God, and for thy city. And for thy people. I'm sorry. And thy people are called by thy name. The purpose of all prayer should be. For God to be glorified. Proper intercession reconciles people to God. He's the one who is right, He's the one who can heal, He's the one who can hear, and He is the one who deserves our praise. I hope that you'll think about this week as you think about this this week as you pray. How many of you are going to try to incorporate some of these things as you pray for someone else? That that's your desire to do. Let's all stand together. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I am always humbled to preach a text like this.